Hello, friends. Welcome to the Spots of Time podcast with me, your host, Kim Scott. Thank you for joining in for just a little inspiration to empower hope and healing for yourself and for others. So let's get started. Hi, everyone. I wanted to share a little introduction to today's episode called Relinquishing the Pursuit of Perfection. When I was working with my graphic designer on the logo for Spots of Time, I noticed that in one of her presentations of the logo, she used this title as a sample for what the podcast logo would look like. It was an intriguing title, and it spoke deeply to my soul. The title lingered in my spirit for days, and somehow I just knew that God was calling me to give voice to the pain of perfectionism. My name is Kim Scott, and I'm a perfectionist. I don't have any sobriety chips to speak of because I continue to fall in and out of pursuing perfectionism. I'm better than I used to be because, I don't know, I think I'm much more self-aware than I used to be. And I know without doubt that I am God's beloved child. Now, I still have a lot of work to do in the healing process of perfectionism, but I'm a work in progress, and I'm comfortable with that. So I believe today's episode is a special one. For any perfectionists listening and for anyone in a relationship with a perfectionist who might be listening, and although this is my story, I believe it resonates beyond me. I hope it brings you to a deeper wholeness if you struggle with perfectionism or to a deeper understanding if you are in a relationship with a perfectionist. As I was preparing for today's episode and next week's episode, which I'm calling a work in progress, God pressed on my heart that this will resonate with many of our listeners. You know, there's always a question of how deep to go, how much to share. Well, for this episode, the Spirit was guiding me to uncover the stigma, to be completely vulnerable in hopes of helping to heal those broken by perfectionism. And so I invite the Spirit of God to open all hearts to lean into the grace riddled in the midst of my words. And as you listen in, may you find hope and healing through the Holy Spirit and through my sharing. Amen. Webster's Dictionary defines perfection as entirely without fault or defect. An impossible state of being, right? And yet, 
The pursuit of perfection has haunted me for much of my life. Richard Rohr, a Franciscan priest and someone who just inspires deep thought, wrote, Inside a perfectionist, court is always in session. He continued, Perfectionists try to be good so they won't be punished. I don't think I have ever read a better description for my life as a perfectionist. And when I read that some years ago, it just, it was eye-opening. It was revealing to me how bound I was living. And that's just a tiring way to move through life. Now, thankfully, I have learned how and when to challenge and confront the shadow side of pursuing perfection. But it's a continuous battle. Even today, my perfection shadow rears its ugly head and I find myself in the depth of a battle. Now, I was a a parent pleaser long before the age of 15, but it was at that age when my father told me in a harsh and condescending tone that I had to be better than anyone in the room in order to be seen, to be respected, and accepted as equal. Now, can you imagine what that advice does to one's psyche, especially in one's formative years. Now imagine this. As I did the work to be better, to be the best, I realized that the response was an increase in my father's love, his respect, and positive attention. So now imagine what this understanding and awareness does to one's heart, mind, and soul. From then on, every action, every decision, everything in part was measured against the bar of my father's perceived love and acceptance. I constantly asked myself, Will this decision increase my father's approval of me? Will this or that warrant his love and respect? And in time, what I learned was that any positive reaction and response, they were never lasting. His love, his respect, his acceptance, they were fleeting. And so I had to keep raising the bar. And raise the bar I did. (laughs) You know, this is so crazy to even share this, but I remember in job interviews, like in my early 30s, when interviewers would ask me, like, what my greatest quality or strength was, my response was, I continuously hold myself to a higher bar. 
I constantly raised the bar on my performance level. Interviewers loved that response. But one day, without even realizing it was happening, my own self-acceptance and self-love was attached to my level of success and accomplishments. And as Rohr so articulated, court was always in session. Every performance, every presentation, conversation, project were immediately evaluated by me. How could I have done it faster, said it better? And when others gave me praise, I was so self-critical. Instead of looking at the good I had done, I I focused on all the the flaws and, and the imperfections. And let me just acknowledge that just like any other addiction, perfectionism in relationships is detrimental for so many reasons. It's destructive because of continuous comparisons. Am I as good as, as pretty as, as skinny as, as smart as? Gosh, that insecurity just tears your spirit apart. It tears apart relationships. Perfectionism is damaging because of sacrificing my own self-worth to please everyone else, because that's how you build relationships, right? Did you know that parent pleasers ultimately become people pleasers? That's me. It's also detrimental because perfection makes us hypercritical of others. Yes, court is always in session, not only judging myself, but others as well. And even my relationship with God was, I I guess in my mind, it was measured against me being perfect. And since I'm a sinner, we, God and me, were never going to be good. We were never going to have a great relationship. Well, around my 40s, I started realizing that my pursuit of perfectionism was a detriment mentally, spiritually, and physically. This insane pursuit was affecting my health. And I realized that this maniacal pursuit to be the best in the room, to achieve perfection, was a detriment to my relationships with others. And so thankfully, during this time, I had the opportunity to have some downtime. I had taken a leave of absence from my crazy HR job And not only was I focused on healing my physical self, I was able to focus on 
some inner reflection. And it didn't take long to realize that God wanted to say something to me about all of this. You know how when you begin to focus on something, some some aspect of your life that you want to improve, and all of a sudden it just continues to show up in your life and what you read, what you see, what you experience. Well, that's what happened to me. I bought some books on dealing with being a workaholic, (laughs) but that led to looking for books on perfectionism. And then shortly after, I heard a quote in a graduation commencement speech that really just piqued my attention. You see, one of my favorite pastimes is listening to graduation speeches. I find them so inspiring. And so every May and June, I tune in to what's being touted as the best commencement speeches of the year. Well, during that time, I heard a speech given by Anna Quinlan. Anna is an author and a journalist. She's a Pulitzer Prize winner. Well, the speech was about perfection. And here's the quote in her speech that really got me thinking. The thing that is really hard and really amazing is giving up on being perfect and beginning the work of becoming yourself. Wow, that is inspired. I wrote that down in my journal that year, and it sparked a desire to explore and understand and learn how to conquer the battle with the relentless pursuit of perfection. Now, the crazy thing, though, I didn't know how to be anything else. I mean, what else was there? Failure? Or worse, mediocrity? And beginning the work of becoming myself. Where do I even begin? Well, as a woman of faith, I decided to find a spiritual director. Someone to help me understand where God was leading me on this journey and to help me decipher what God wanted to say. Well, that turned out to be a staggering experience. She introduced me to a completely new way of seeing myself through God's eyes, not human eyes not through my father's eyes, not through my eyes. And as I worked to break the cycle of perfectionism, I read, reflected on, and explored as much as I could about perfectionism. And here's the most important thing I learned. Perfectionism is not something you can break. It's part of my DNA. It's part of who I am. It started a long time ago as a child. I learned quickly that being a quote-unquote perfect child, staying quiet, 
speaking when spoken to, saying the right words when spoken to. All of that keeps peace in the house. Wearing the picture-perfect outfits, looking presentable, having perfectly long, straight hair, and getting perfect grades, and that means A-pluses, not A-minuses, all helped to keep peace in the home. Now, on the other hand, saying the wrong thing, doing the wrong thing, having the wrong look on my face, that created upset, anger, the silent treatment, punishment, and sometimes even physical beating. And this wasn't just in my home, but also at school. I remember when I was in the fifth grade, we lined up to be dismissed for the day. And I accidentally stepped on my teacher's foot. She was a nun. I went to Catholic school. And immediately, I apologized. But her response was visceral. She slapped me hard across my face. Well, that action compounded what I had already learned about imperfection. Imperfection was to be avoided, to be afraid of, to fear. And fear was the impetus for perfection. Fear of upsetting people, fear of getting hit, fear of my parents arguing, fear of getting yelled at, fear of being called stupid. And as I grew into adulthood, those fears morphed into new fears. Fear of not being good enough, of losing relationships, of failing. Fear of being unlovable, not being valued. And the ultimate fear, fear of being found out. Perfectionism is the consequence of fear. Perfection became the mask to cover my fear. And pursuit of perfection made sure I didn't misstep. Perfectionism became my fort of defense. If I'm perfect, If I produce perfect work, if I look perfect, if I act perfect, then I can avoid shame or blame or criticism or judgment. So pursuit of perfection comes from feeling unsafe, not good enough, not lovable. Therefore, perfection is necessary so I can show others I am good enough lovable, desirable, confident, smart. I could go on. Hopefully you get the point. And I hope and pray that this is resonating. If there are any perfectionists listening, I know you get what I'm saying. And if there are any sisters, brothers, spouses, or children of perfectionists listening, 
I truly hope this leads you to a deeper understanding of the wounds that cause perfectionism. So how does one relinquish the pursuit of perfection? Well, for me, it was two-pronged. First, I had to understand more deeply what it meant to be a child of God and to understand more deeply that God didn't love me because I was perfect. Or actually, better stated, God wasn't going to stop loving me because I wasn't perfect. You see, the relationships we have with our parents, especially our fathers, tend to influence the kind of relationship we have with God. And for a long time, I looked at God as that mean old man who was harshly critical and who was unpleased with me most of the time. I had to unlearn that perception. Conditional love teaches children to seek perfection. And often that lingers into adulthood and it manifests in seeking to justify or earn love and care from others. Now, thankfully, it was God's plan that I would move from human resources into ministry leadership. And as I stepped into ministry, the more I preached and shared and taught about God's love, well, that deepened my own belief about God's love for me. Reading the scriptures helped me as well. And I recall reflecting on a scripture verse from Matthew's gospel, chapter 5, verse 58. And it says, you shall be Now notice the future tense, (laughs) not today, in the future, you shall be perfect as your father in heaven is perfect. And the one who will make me perfect is Jesus. In Christ, I am perfected. And in the mix of, of all of this growing in awareness, I remember hearing a sermon about how we see our imperfections, but God sees us in our perfection. Let me say that again. We see our imperfections, but God sees us in our perfection. I don't know about you, but for me, Every time I hear it, every time I say it, it's like a healing balm. God looks at me and sees me perfect. Even though I'm a sinner, even though I've missed the mark and and fallen short of his glory, he sees me perfect. I am known, seen, and loved by God. And in the eyes of the Father, I lack nothing. I am enough. I am worthy. 
I am valued. Good Lord, I, I love that. What an inspiring message to greet ourselves with every morning. I am known, seen, and loved by God. And in the eyes of the Father, I lack nothing. I am worthy. I am enough. I am valued. You know, if if only I could absorb this truth in my being and believe that nothing else is true, how different would I approach life, right? I mean, is this speaking to you? If it is, just say out loud, amen. I mean, no matter where you are, whether you're in the car, the grocery store, on the treadmill, nothing else matters. Just say amen. Amen means I believe, I agree. And this is a truth we all need to embrace to believe. You see, I grew up learning that A pluses was the only acceptable bar. But over the years on this path of becoming, God has shown me that perfection is unreachable on earth. And yet, I am still his beloved. And here's the message God wants me and you to hear. That while we're here on this earth, even B-minus work can change and transform lives. And I can cite many speaking occasions when I know for sure I did not bring my A-game. And yet people lined up to share that their hearts were stirred. That's the work of the Holy Spirit, not the work of Kim Scott. The Spirit can take what little crumbs we bring and can feed an entire room. Now for that second prong, I had to lean in and learn how to recognize my triggers. And I had to work on changing my self-talk. I had to learn to be kind to myself, to give myself a break, a little slack, some grace. And that was and continues to be quite the journey. Even today, my daughter will say from time to time, change what you just said about yourself. Because sometimes it can be really negative. And she points out that, you know, we are a work in progress. But as Quinlan said, it's the really hard yet amazing work. Now, one of my greatest triggers is a tense and volatile environment. When people are talking loudly borderline yelling, even if, even if it's just to get their point across or, or in jest, like joking around. When I'm in that environment, I grow uncomfortable and fear 
rises up within me. You see, this is the home environment I grew up in, a tense and volatile environment that led me to being careful, trying to say and do the right things to keep the peace, to bring down the volume of tenseness, to distract the situation and and circumstances from escalating. And even today in this kind of environment, it's very much like PTSD for me. And in those moments, I have to do a lot of self-talk to to stay calm and not move into overthinking about what to say, how to say it, how to look, how to move, how to respond. In my HR days, especially when I reached the executive level position, I experienced many situations such as this, which I think in part led to the burnout I experienced. And sadly, I have to say that even in church ministry, I experienced environments and meetings and discussions that look just like this. Now, in church ministry, what's really hard, the the compounding factor for me was that my bosses were Catholic priests and pastors, and as such, I was required to address them as father. Now, you can imagine that this in and of itself was a trigger for me. Another trigger for me is criticism. As a perfectionist, I think another symptom that comes with this ailment is sensitivity. I'm what's called a HSP, highly sensitive person. I've learned that this is what makes me good at what I do. You know, as a highly sensitive person, I love deeply. I care deeply. I empathize deeply. I feel deeply. All of these qualities are important for someone in the business of helping others build hope and experience healing. My Myers-Briggs is E-N-F-J, and the F, which stands for feeling, is off the chart. (laughs) It's a great strength, but it's also my greatest weakness. Being a HSP means I hurt deeply. I am disappointed deeply. I get frustrated deeply. And I feel anger deeply. And those two together, being a perfectionist and a highly sensitive person, can be explosive triggers. And being aware of these triggers is truly crucial to my mental well-being, my mental health. And I have to do a lot of self-talk to assure myself that I am good enough, that what I have to say and and offer is valued. And yet, that said, I don't have to be the best in the room. I don't have to compete with others. I don't have to take on being everything to everyone. 
Well, sometimes that self-talk works, and other times, not so much. Here's an example of getting caught up in the battle of pursuing perfection and crawling out of it with God's help. It's kind of a long story, but here's the short version. A few years ago, just before COVID, I was on a senior leadership team, and it started to feel really competitive, which is another trigger for me. And I sensed that I was in the shadow of other peer leaders, that my boss recognized the contributions of others more than my contributions. And there were several contentious moments as I retreated inward and didn't have much to contribute out of fear of messing up and saying the wrong thing. Well, I was going to say, thankfully, I don't know if that's appropriate. I'll just say a pandemic put everything on hold. I happen to be the only one on that leadership team that was furloughed, which in my mind confirmed the sense that others were viewed as more valuable than me. When I returned to work, I announced that I was stepping down from the leadership team. During my time off and being reflective, I decided that it wasn't good for my mental well-being. But unfortunately, this was a downward spiral. I felt unseen and unvalued by my boss. And let me just take a moment to clarify. This was my perception. I'm not saying it was the reality for everyone. And as a matter of fact, the boss that I'm talking about is someone I truly care about and consider to be a good man of faith and a friend. Yet I think we've all heard the saying That perception is our reality. Anyway, long story short, an opportunity presented itself. Two colleagues gave notice and left their positions, leaving my boss unsure of how to cover these critical positions. And when he came to me and asked about my thoughts, friends, I leaped at the opportunity to be seen and valued. And I said, I could assume their responsibilities. What the hell was I thinking? (laughs) I didn't even take the time to evaluate my feelings, my triggers. I was at a vulnerable place. And I thought this was the perfect opportunity for me to show him, Father, that I was perfect. And wouldn't he value me then? For two years, I did the job of three people. And because I was in that perfectionist, vicious cycle, wanting him to see me and value me, and yes, praise me, The work I had produced had to be perfect 
Well, just like with my own father, praise was fleeting and underwhelming. And so just like with my own father, I tried harder and harder. I raised the bar higher and higher. In the summer of 2022, I went on a sort of retreat. And I heard the message that even when the world doesn't see me or value me or choose me, I am God's chosen one. And the message reminded me that God loves me so recklessly that just as the scripture promises, he will leave the 99 and come after me. Yes, I am known, seen, and loved by God. And in the eyes of the Father, I lack nothing. I am enough, worthy, and valued. But I realized that I had created a sort of nightmare for myself. And I could see that I was digging an early grave, working round the clock with the kind of work I was doing, God's work. I also had to face the fact that my well was dry. And I needed not only to nourish others, but I needed to nourish myself. One of my favorite sayings is, we can't give what we don't have. Just like in the airplane instructions, right? In case of an emergency, we are instructed to put our own oxygen mask on before helping others with theirs. Well, this retreat helped me to take a step back, and it reminded me that God doesn't love me because I'm perfect. And honestly, I truly believe that all of this led to God guiding my family to make a big move. God always has a plan. Well, this time his plan was to take me out of this environment entirely. As my family made definite plans to relocate, I gave my notice. Seven months of notice. And let me tell you, almost immediately, I felt a release from the pursuit of perfection. Knowing there was an end in sight, critical comments were were taken in stride. Unseen and unrecognized efforts didn't bother me. And, And uncanny enough, I knew that God saw and recognized my efforts because he kept sending people to say thank you in in different ways. And also, I think I just wasn't afraid anymore. Somehow, the Holy Spirit was helping me to love myself, regardless of any imperfections. And I found myself saying things like, I did my best, and really being content with that. I started feeling whole. And the closer I moved to the end date, there was a peace, 
and a, a holy authenticity that filled my being. You know, I've heard it said that wholeness is the path to our deepest and most authentic self. Well, healing leads to wholeness. And that's what I felt. I was being healed and I was feeling whole again. And I really started trusting that the Holy Spirit was going to work through me. I didn't have to show up with the perfect prayer prepared or the perfect comments committed to memory. I just had to show up fully myself, my unique self, and God did the rest. (laughs) My name is Kim Scott, and I am a perfectionist. I know I will always be a recovering perfectionist. I will continue to fall in and out of the pursuit of perfection. But I trust and believe that God will continue to rescue me from myself as I continue on this journey of of becoming who God created me to be, a work in progress. That's what I am. And what I'm working on now is embracing that wounded young self and assuring her that her high standards will be what makes her successful in vastly different work environments and that she was created to lead and inspire and that she will always be incredibly hard on herself. But she will learn that God is the perfect presence within her and that God wants her to treat herself with kindness and self-compassion. It's a daily choice for us as perfectionists. We can choose the strength, the stress, the anxiety, worry by striving for perfection, or we can choose peace, authenticity, and wholeness by showing up as our flawed, unique, but beloved selves. Today, I choose the latter. Today, I choose to reframe my perfectionism by reminding myself that I am known, seen, and loved by God, and that in the eyes of the Father, I lack nothing. I am enough. I am worthy. I am valued. So for all the perfectionists listening, be kind to yourself. Take a few spots of time today and repeat this truth. Believe this truth. You are known, seen, and loved by God. And in the eyes of the Father, you lack nothing. You are enough. You are worthy. You are valued. Believe this truth, even if just for today. And then maybe tomorrow, try it again.
And for all those who love a perfectionist, be patient with us. And take a few spots of time today and think about ways you can show your loved one how much they are seen, loved, and valued for their authentic self, flaws and all. Think about how you can share with them that your love doesn't need to be earned, nor will it be lost if they choose to show up without having the plan, without having or knowing all the answers, without having to be perfect. Be sure to tune in next week when I'll be continuing this discussion and offering an alternative way of thinking and processing for perfectionists and for those who love us. I'll be sharing some insight from Henry Nowen's book, Life of the Beloved. This is an amazing book about healing our brokenness and responding to our fears by embracing our identity as a beloved child of God. It reminds me of a favorite gospel song. If anybody asks you who I am, who I am, who I am, if anybody asks you who I am, tell them I'm a child of God. Now, how's that for imperfection? (laughs) For this week, may we remember that God sees us in our perfection. Amen. This is the Spots of Time podcast, which is produced and hosted by me, Kim Scott. I invite you to go to our website, spotsoftime.net, and leave a comment about today's episode. What resonated? Did you hear anything that inspired you? And if we have inspired you today, you can support our work and help us continue producing this podcast by hitting the donate button on our website. You can listen to Spots of Time for free on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Be sure to subscribe and invite your friends. Also, follow us on Instagram at Spots of Time Podcast. Production support, website development, and social media management by Alexis Jones. Our music, entitled Spots of Time, was written by Michael Upward. Until next time, empower hope and healing.